Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Good morning and welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show. This is the show that celebrates the men and women who are working so hard not just in coastal Mississippi, but really across the great state of Mississippi to make this such a great place to live, work, and play. Listen, I've had a string of really good shows. Uh, I mean, listen, I I think that every day is a good show. We put a lot of time into inviting guests that are going to bring some some perspective, something we can all learn from, and um, I'm just thrilled to, to be here to be able to bring them to you. Like, uh, for example, Woody Bailey was on recently, gave us the latest at Cruising the Coast. Once again, Cruising the Coast was identified as the top car show in America by USA Today. What an incredible uh, accomplishment that is year after year. What what a special show that is. And what it does for Coastal Mississippi is incredible. So if you missed that conversation, you can go to your favorite podcast or go to uh, YouTube or Facebook and take a look at it. You'll you'll be glad you did. What Woody's doing, what he's done over so many years is so important to Coastal Mississippi. I had a great conversation with Brian Lamar. He used to work with the Naval Construction Battalion Center. Of course, you know it as the CB base. And uh, he lives in Japan now. He'll be back. But he brought his family to Japan. He's a public information officer over there now. And uh, he's writing a column now for Super Talk Mississippi News, his first one was about some experiences uh, of being in Japan and sort of correlating that to uh, his time here in Mississippi. He'll be writing a lot about that, a lot of perspective, sort of, you know, someone who lived in Mississippi for a long time, now lives in Japan. What are these compare and contrasts? It ought to be interesting reading. It ought to be interesting conversations when he joins us on the show to talk about it. I had a great conversation with Oliver Diaz. Oliver, you know, he's an old friend. He's, uh, you know, grew up in coastal Mississippi. Uh, he travels the world. Uh, he's for, former Supreme Court justice, really smart guy, reads a lot, and he's writing also writing a column for Super Talk Mississippi News. And um, I just enjoyed that conversation. If you missed the conversation with Oliver, I really in- encourage you to go take a look at it because what he's done, man, he and his wife have just they they've traveled the world, and he has such a uh, such a calm, collected. Uh, point of view about things and such an interesting perspective because of his experience in other places. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he has to say going forward. Um, I want to thank you for engaging with the show on social media, uh, for on podcasts, for listening on 103.1 or on Super Talk TV at Ceasefire TV. But the amount of engagement in the show continues to grow, and I really appreciate it. Uh, people want to know what's happening from, from coast of Mississippi. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine, actually, the other day. I was doing a, a podcast with uh, Ronnie Cuz Strickland, who is someone I've gotten to know really well through my outdoor show. 
and Ronnie has a podcast called A Fistful of Dirt. Now, Ronnie works for Mossy Oak. For people in the outdoor community know that. This is a internationally known brand, and his, and his podcast has been downloaded a few million times, so it's a pretty big podcast. And we were talking about um, how interesting it is to be able to have access to social media data. We get so much data back. There's a lot of good about social media. You've heard me talk about it. There's a, there's a lot not so good about it as well. But you get a lot of a lot of information. And um, we have listeners to this show from all over the world. It's interesting. I, I, my, my speculation is that people who used to live in coastal Mississippi that may be stationed somewhere else or maybe work somewhere else now, but from, from Africa and Europe and Australia, people, it's just interesting to be able to get data like that. But, but the numbers for coastal Mississippi continue to rise, and I really appreciate it. I look back at my time after Hurricane Katrina because I talk a lot about you know pre-Katrina world and post-Katrina. People my age who were here in leadership roles after Hurricane Katrina, we, we tend to think in terms of pre-Katrina and post-Katrina. I say that a lot. But I, I remember back at, at my time after Katrina, and I remember one of the relationships that I really enjoyed developing was with my next guest. And uh, before we get to Kevin Coggin, who's the executive director for the Coast Transit Authority, I wanted to share with, with you some some things I learned along the way. Could, took a few notes and, and did some things to remind me. But what Kevin helped me understand is the role that public transportation plays in coastal Mississippi. Actually, he actually helped me learn the role that, that public transportation plays in a community anywhere in America. Um, I was surprised to learn, in fact, when he and I were planning to do this show together, that he had been in the industry for 46 years, and he had become the executive director just two years before Katrina, before Katrina hit coastal Mississippi. But we tend to think of we th- tend to think of public transportation in terms of the poor, and certainly th- it is important. They have a very important role to play to give people access to employment and recreation and sort of these essential, essential life-shaping opportunities. That is really important. But, man, there's a huge economic development role that they play. Uh, public transportation is is key to they in some cases actually determine where developmental patterns are going to uh, going to be and where job opportunities might be and 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 literally play a role in economic development in coastal Mississippi and then there's a there's a regulatory side to this that has to do with carbon emissions and air quality and energy use and all this it's a it's a complicated world in fact that our friend Kevin Coggin works in these years and I've been working for a, a month or two to try to get him to try to find a time where he and I could get together, and today's the day, and I am so thrilled to, to welcome Kevin Coggin to the Ricky Matthews Show, and uh, first of all, let me just say good morning to you, my friend. How are you? I'm great. Great. Good to be here. Good to see you. It's good to see you, too. So, isn't it? It's amazing, man, that Katrina was <laughs> so so far. I listen, 18 years. It's hard to even say that, but Time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it, my friend? Yes, it does. So, look, look we got to we got to cover the waterfront and I don't want to we're going to come back into some of the details that apply to what I just said just a few minutes ago, but just just in a nutshell, if you were telling someone in an elevator ride what Coast Transit Authority is, what do you say to them? We're a uh, regional public transit system and uh, what I usually tell people uh, 
We operate as a public utility, a commission, think in terms of the port, the airport, the Coliseum. So we're an independent. Typically, urban transportation systems are owned and operated by a city, a county, a state. For instance, Hattiesburg and Jackson are owned and operated by the, the cities they serve, and they have this geographic restriction. And we're actually doing work outside of the state of Mississippi with our van pool, for instance. Van pooling uh, work commute is one of the many things we do. And we're operating van pools in the panhandle of Florida, lower counties of Alabama, Mississippi, in uh, eastern lower counties of Louisiana, bringing people to work in Mississippi every day. So we do many, many things that people don't know we do. A um, lot of work in uh, demand response, people with disabilities, seniors, uh, getting heavy now into uh, access to health care, mental health and physical health, and economic development. And people don't realize you mentioned that. I know we'll talk a little bit more detail, but people do not really uh, know the, the impact that we have on, on and the support we do to the local economy. You, uh, you it's, it's, as, we, as you point out, sort of this independent organization, you have a board of commissioners. We'll go into some of who those members are here in just a second. But it has a multifaceted role, as you pointed out, and it has a, multiple revenue streams that are coming in. So in some respects, you, it's governmental money that's coming in. In other respects, it's money that you guys generate from the fees and from advertising and other things like that. But it's very diversified, both in terms of what you do, and it's very diversified in terms of the revenue stream that, that comes into your organization. Let's, can, let's take a step back for a second, because there's some things I don't know about you, Kevin. Where did you grow up? I am a native Biloxi, and I have lived here all my life. Uh, I live in St. Martin uh, with my wife. We moved out of Biloxi when we were bought our first house, and um, there were some issues with Biloxi at the time. You know, with the economy recession, it, it, the, the economic situation was not good. It's pre-casinos, and so we decided to, uh, you know, make our life in St. Martin. But we lived here. All of our life, I've, my my son, my daughter lives here. I'm blessed. I've got six grandchildren, so this is my home. Uh, I love my job. I'm a, I serve the community that I live in and love so much, and and the people are great. And you've talked about that. You've had many of them on your show. Uh, I know most of them personally, and um, I've just uh, yeah. I started my career as a diesel mechanic at Kennedy Engine Company, and. Went to work for another place in Gulfport uh, doing bus repair and wound up at Coast Transit Authority. I was working my way up basically from a shop foreman and some kind of how I wound up occupying this office. And, uh, <laughs> It's, you know, that's it's, interesting. It's, it's that, though. I, actually, actually, let's do this. I didn't realize we we're coming to the end of this segment. But when we come back on the <laughs> other side, this notion of being a diesel mechanic, I actually have a very good friend who was also a diesel mechanic, and he became he now leads a major organization. But uh, I'm going to make a point about what it means to be a diesel mechanic. Actually, how it helps you solve problems and that's understand right. how the world connects. Um, when we come back on the other side with Kevin Coggin from Coast Transit Authority, we'll see you after this.
listen live or on demand and watch episodes of the Ricky Matthews Show on your laptop, desktop, or your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. By the way, before we go any further with my, my guest, Kevin Coggin, I just want to say thank you to my friend, Kyle Curley, the producer of, of this show. He uh, He's actually in the studio today. He normally would be doing this from his home. He's set up. He's got all the technology at his home to be able to do it, but he had some this morning and uh, had to make the decision to come in. But I never have to wonder about what Kyle's going to be there. You can literally set your clock by Kyle. When I do this show, and again, we've had over 800 conversations together. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, my friend. That is for sure. Okay, so back to Kevin. Um, Kevin, when we went to break, though, you were mentioning that you started out as a diesel mechanic. And I said that I had a friend of mine that started out as a diesel mechanic. Then he became sort of a shop foreman. And these are diesel engines he ended up getting into that that run very large ocean-going you know, vessels. And uh, then he ended up running the company. Um, but his, the way his mind worked, his work as a diesel mechanic just revealed a lot about his ability to solve problems and build things and understand complexity and whatever. I bet you draw on that all the time as a leader. It, it, it really is. And I'll reflect back on it and I talk about people and, and, and how does that stage you to do more things being a mechanic? You know, I started out as a apprentice mechanic at Kennedy Engine Company in 1977. Worked my way up, went to all the schools and worked with senior mechanics in the field and then wound up being a field mechanic. And when you're out there by yourself, uh, you, you have to get it done. And uh, you know, we we mostly worked on oil field boats. At the time, it was the oil field boom, and mo- I was in South Louisiana most of the time. It's very analytical. Uh, it's not computerized troubleshooting like it is now. You literally needed to know what every piece and part that that diesel engine does and how it interacts uh, with other parts. I, 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 I kind of equate it to a doctor. It's you've got all these things you can't see and. You have to know uh, all the, but anyway, uh, it's precision measurements. It's very analytical. It's plumbing. It's electrical. It's the gamut, and you learn mental analytical skills. And uh, that's what has really been the base for what I'm doing now. I'm a very analytical person. I'm good with numbers. Um, I'm good with uh, troubleshooting. I am not good with memory. I can't remember anything, uh, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I think the analytical, it's certainly in my job, the analytical is much more important than the memory part. Uh, so it, it has been the base of, of where I'm at today. You know, you, you make me, uh, you know, thinking of Kennedy Engine uh, Company, uh, makes it, I need to circle back and tell that story because it wasn't just the, the oil field, but it was, um, it was um, you know, shrimp boats and all these, all these commercial boats that operate out of coastal Mississippi. Kennedy Engine Company, it's been kind of out of sight, out of mind for people. They played a historical role in That's coastal right. Mississippi, haven't they? Yeah, they were huge. And of course, you know, for people may not know, they were a Detroit diesel engine distributor. They're like a wholesale engine company, and and they were regional. That you know, all these engine companies had their territory, and, and uh, we did a lot of work in South Louisiana because we, you know, they sold engines and. 
and probably a little cheaper than some companies in Louisiana. So that's how we got uh, going down there. And, and they were huge. When I worked there, they were as big as they've ever been. We had a ton of mechanics, and there were some really – they had some of the best mechanics. I'm, I'm not referencing me, but I learned from these people. They literally had some of the best mechanics in the country working right there at Kennedy Engine, there's no doubt. When you, when you found your way in the ground transportation arena, did you – have an immediate good fit? Did you did you have any idea that you would spend, you know, forty six plus years of your career in that industry? You never know, you know what life brings. So uh, I left Kennedy Engine. I worked there three and a half years, and it was road work. It was hard work. Uh, I, I ruptured a disc in my back. I mean, it's it's just that hard of physical work. And I saw early on, I didn't see older people doing that kind of work. It's too physically hard. So I, I, I left and I wanted to get into management. And and, uh, and and so I went to work for Hausman Bus Sales in Gulfport. And uh, we did uh, Greyhound buses and renovated them and whatnot. And, and so I went from, do, I was hired to do engine work there. And then I, I went because of my analytical skills and my abilities that I learned at Kennedy Engine, I wound up running the whole shop, you know, repairing everything on a bus from bumper to bumper. And then they got bought out and, and I came to Coast Transit Authority and saw that as an opportunity. Uh, and that has worked out for me tremendously. And of course, I've had mentors like all of us have. Um, I've had three or four professional mentors in my life and Ted Hearn was one of them here at Coast Transit Authority that got me into the bit, literally the business end of it, the dollars and cents, the budgeting and and that that kind of stuff. I was, you know, running running maintenance and, and doing contracts and, and what but not. But Ted was one of the mentors that got me into the mathematics part of it, the dollars and cents. You know, it's interesting when you look at your mission statement of CTA. It's, it's, it's kind of, I'll just read it, it's kind of simple, but it's a complex thing that you have to do to deliver. It says, to provide safe, dependable, clean, comfortable, convenient, and affordable public transportation services to the Mississippi Gulf Coast in a cost-efficient manner. I mean, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good mission statement, but boy, does it break down in a complicated way. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a much more dynamic thing today than it was back when you started, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's a, the, the world has totally changed in many, many, many uh, aspects. Our community has changed. You know, gaming term changed everything for the good economically. And uh, my personal opinion is that gaming lifted the Gulf Coast and the state of Mississippi out of, at the time, ec- economic peril. And it's been good, uh, been good to us. It's generated a lot of ridership, a lot of revenue. We carry a ton of casino workers, and uh, we carry a, a lot of casino patrons on our casino hopper. So it, it's been really good for us, for Coast Transit Authority, and, and in my opinion, it's been great for our community. So it's um, it's three coast counties, but let's get specific about let's let's talk. When people think of uh, bus service, they think about fixed routes. You know, they, you know, a a bus they can depend will be in that place at that moment each, and I can get to the next place, and I can do that on a regular basis. So let's talk about the fixed route part of what you do, but then we'll we'll sort of break down all these other diversified areas that you're involved in as well. 
And fixed route is uh, what you see in any city, and I talk about this all the time when I make presentations. I, and that's what people recognize. Any city has, has got a fixed route service. The wheels on the bus go round and round. It's on a time schedule, and you know you know what it is, and it and it's coming, and where you can go. Yeah, I call it the backbone. It's what we've done historically. The only new route, fixed route that we're running now in addition to what we were running when I was appointed executive director is uh, D'Iberville. And uh, that's, you know, we've been running that a very long time. And, and so that's one of the, the many things we do. Uh, there, there's a lot of more modern ways to deliver service and we can talk uh, more in depth about that if, if we, if you want to, but it's basically called micro transit. And uh, it just it, it serves a larger geographic area, but uh, the fixed route service we're running right now is the backbone, and, and I don't see us uh, short term adding fixed route services. We've tried to do that. We tried to do a Pops Ferry route, a new route in Biloxi, and and, and we had the most interest of any new route we've ever run. But there was not enough people riding it to to justify. Uh, continuing it. And so fixed route bus service is the most expensive service you can provide. Yeah, and you've got to make the the, the uh, dollars and cents really have to work on it, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a minimal amount of ridership that you have to have. And for us, it's seven people per hour, and that's not a lot of ridership. And so yeah. if we can't get seven or above in pretty short order, it's not sustainable. And that's what we have experienced anytime we've tried a new fixed route. So we're looking at some more modern uh, options for service. Hey, does it, is it, it you know, I'm, I would assume that this is definitely the case, but I don't know. Um, so um, when you think about this being a coast community and having Highway 90 and Pass Road and so on, does that make it easier or more complicated? Well, you need you need density for, for fixed route to work. And, and, and of course, we have commercial density on pass road, residential and commercial. It's, it's pretty dense. So that makes it uh, a viable route. That's one of our better routes. And then Highway 90 is not a lot of residential density. And really, if you look at it, there's some commercial density and, and pockets. And, and so, um, but yeah, those, those are two good operating environments. Those, those are two of our better routes. And, you know, talk, talking about the Highway 90 route when her and Katrina, when, when Katrina hit, you know, the, the, that was built out and, it, it, and that killed our best route overnight. We're actually, we're going to talk more about Katrina here in just a second, but we're going to talk about ADA and special services that are, they also provide, and we'll talk a bit about funding. Then we'll talk about Katrina specifically when we come back with our conversation with uh, Kevin Coggin of Coast Transit Authority. We'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthews Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminding you why we all love living in coastal Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1.
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Kevin Coggin from the uh, Coast Transit Authority. And uh, we're going to get to a little bit of what he learned about himself and this community after Hurricane Katrina. But before we do that, I want to I want to zero in a little bit. We just talked about some fixed routes and how they approach that. But there's an ADA and paratransit service uh, aspect to what you guys do, Kevin. And then there's also special services that you're involved in as well. Kind of kind of give us a an overview of that. Collectively, we just call it demand response, but it's a lot of things. Uh, we do transportation services for senior citizen programs in Harrison County, Hancock County. It allows senior citizens to maintain their independence. We take them to senior centers if they want to go there. We take them grocery shopping once a week. We take them to doctor's appointments up to three times a week. And so it's really helps them maintain their quality of life, their independence. There's no cost to the seniors. It's paid for with CTA's federal subsidy money and the counties. We do have a contract with Harrison County in Hancock County, and I want to compliment both of those counties. They have wonderful programs for their seniors. We have services for people with disabilities, the same thing. It's, it's all this is door to door. And you call and make an appointment uh, up to two weeks ahead of time and the day before and uh, it allows people with disabilities to maintain their independence and it, it, there's a cost for people with disabilities but it's very very low it's two dollars to get on the bus and two, we have some zones so the typical trip costs four dollars each way and we haven't gone up in our price in like forever so uh, that's that that's a, a wonderful thing we do the place where our business is really growing is access to health care. We have signed a lot of contracts over the last year or two, and we have grown our demand response business 30% because it's access to health care. We're getting in and mental health care, and a lot of it is mental health care. And I feel really good about that. Um, for instance, we one I'm not going to name names or, or talk about who our clients are that we serve. But we, we, we work with some mental health care organization and just for instance, the kind of things we do, uh, they called us up and they had a 12-year-old a, a person that had been in, in, uh, in clinics, you know, there at their place and they were trying to get the, the kid home and the mom didn't have transportation to come get them and it was like a three-hour trip. And they called us and, and we said, sure, we'd be happy to take them home. And so that's just kind of the impact to people that really need it. And uh, and then there's, you know, act, and we do a ton of dialysis too. People don't realize that. We do a ton of dialysis work and it's, it, it's hard work. We lose people. It's hard, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's hard on the drivers. I know. I know. It's got to be. I mean, again, you you there are so many diverse. It's such a diversified business, and the same thing goes true for where your money's coming from. So, as I pointed out, some of it's developed 
locally just through you doing what you're doing. Some of it's coming from cities and counties and the state and even the federal government. The reality is the good news about that is all the, all that, that those funds have a place to go inside your organization, and then you take it very seriously to make sure the Coast Transit Authority is meeting the needs of, of this community. You've got a really good board of commissioners. In fact, I had Jerry Dodge on from, from D'Alberville not long ago. Had a great conversation, and he had, he spoke of his his role, his his uh, role on the board, his ro- role in working with you and the Coast Transit Authority very proudly. Actually, um, that's uh, they all feel that way, don't they? Yeah, they do, and, and we're blessed here. I'm 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 personally blessed to work with the board. They're, they're mission oriented. They don't bring politics. They don't bring personal agendas. I love that about them. They we we meet. Uh, we talk about what we're doing, how we're doing it, you know, uh, productivity and, and and all those things we talk about. And their their job is policy and oversight. And uh, they let me manage the company. I work for them, and everybody here works for me. And 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 when when I need their help to do something, whatever the case may be, that they, they jump in, they do it willingly, and they're very effective at what they do. All of them are very respected and, and very well connected in the community. It's it's just a great working relationship. I could not do the things that I do, and we could not do the things that we do without without them, their vision, and, and their participation. Well, what you what you just described, and I'm not going to draw you in. I'm not even going to name the organization. But when uh, you know, a year ago, two years ago, when I was engaged in another organization that was regional in nature where there was way too much dabbling. What I came to appreciate is that when there's not a, a understanding on the board about board governance, <clears throat> that people will wander off and get involved in micromanaging and doing things that take the power away f- from an executive director. And then as a result of that, when you have these kind of loosey-goosey situations, then it creates opening for political influence, and, it, and it's really difficult. And, and you've, you know, one of the things I've noticed about you over all these years is you sort of knew what your sandbox was. And you stayed progressive about it. For, for, I'll give you a good example that, you know, all what you do requires you to be on the cutting edge. And I would say maybe one of the biggest changes, I'm sure, sure technology probably is a big change just in terms of helping you evaluate routes and understand routes more, more uh, efficiently, but also just the technology you're deploying inside your, with your buses and the, and the, and all of that. Once again, it probably draws on your background as a mechanic in a big, big way, but there's been massive change in that arena, hasn't there? There has, uh, especially recently, the last year or two. So, you know, after Katrina, I know we're going to talk about Katrina specifically, but in in terms of technology, after Katrina, we had a substantial amount of hurricane recovery money that we dedicated to bringing in totally new technology, cutting edge at the time, the best you could get. Well, that was a long time ago, and now we, and here we are again, CARES Act money, uh, again, we, we take advantage of, of our opportunities, and so we have a significant amount of money again, and so we're, once again, wholesale changing out all of our technology with cutting-edge, uh, most modern stuff. 
and it's it's unbelievable what's out there in the public transit arena with AI and 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 uh, the planning software you can use the planning you can plan routes you don't even have to leave your office I mean it is just phenomenal so we're looking at currently how can we use technology to do our job better and more efficiently uh, you know less labor intensive and, and yeah. we're in the middle of that project right now, one of the many projects we have going on. We're bringing in uh, all this new modern technology, and we're looking for a partnership with a, a provider, not because there's so many new people coming in, you got to really watch it. These startups, can, you know, you can buy some technology from a startup and they don't make it, and then you, you're not in a good spot. So we're considering that as well. Yeah, I know. I know that part really well. In my prior life, um, we were always on the cutting edge. Later in my career, of a lot of digital stuff, and uh, some of these vendors brought the goods, and some didn't. And um, you know, provide you know, doing your homework and the due diligence required to pick the right partner. So that you can, as a team, go forward in a sort of more of a proven way than than an exploratory way. But I know I can only imagine how technologies change your world. You know, one of the things that you wrote is veteran of hurricanes, pandemics, economic strife, and oil spills, and you really mean it. With each of those comes a big a big challenge. One of the things I think about when I think about you, Kevin, is that before Katrina hit. We knew each other. You came to board, you came to editorial board meetings, but I, I really didn't know you well. And uh, one of the things I wrote in a book of lessons about Hurricane Katrina was that before the storm, my observation was that we moved too fast. That we that we didn't get to know the essence of who people were. You just didn't take the time to do that, and I certainly was guilty of that. After Katrina, though. The people that some people that you expected to step up didn't, and others that you would have never, maybe you didn't even know who they were. They just stepped right, up in right. ways you never would have imagined. Um, what I came to appreciate after Katrina was that, that the big lesson was you got to st- spend more time to understand the essence of who people are. That's really one of the reasons I, I enjoy doing this show, is it gives me a chance to dig deeper. But one of the people I enjoyed getting to know better was you, because you were so committed. You were so working so hard through the governor's commission and otherwise to try to figure out how to rebuild, not just rebuild Coast Transit Authority, but to understand what this new world was going to look like and how you were going to operate inside that new world. You already mentioned a minute ago that you spent that time, the post-Katrina world, as a way of sort of stepping up the game of Coast Transit Authority. So why don't we do this? We're at the end of this segment. When we get on the other side, I, I want to. I just want to kind of get your observation about all of that and what you learned personally and professionally, and um, and and how it made you a stronger leader today. It certainly made me a better leader going through that process. When we come back on the other side with Kevin Coggin, the executive director for the Coast Transit Authority, we'll see you after this break. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. 
This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Kevin Coggin from Coast Transit Authority. And when we went to break, I was telling him that after Katrina, you know, the Katrina experience either broke you or it made you a, a better leader. And in some cases, it broke you and then made you a better leader. But what were your observations about what I had to say, Kevin? Yeah, it, it was definitely a, a life changer uh, for all of us in many, many ways. And, I, you know, I, I reflect on it. And some people, uh, their response was, I'm getting out of here, you know, the place is devastated. and I don't want to be part of this mess. And, of course, I'm a, I'm a lifelong resident, so I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. And, and, and one thing it did, it really set the stage for CTA to be elevated in the community and, and people to see the value of CTA and what we can do and how important we are. And, and specifically, uh, we, we pre-Katrina, we were not part of the emergency, Harrison County Emergency Management Agency. And then when Katrina hit and destroyed the community and nobody had a car or a house, uh, you know, then the, the emergency management agency is like, where, where's that Coggin guy at? You know, we need him. We need CTA. And our, our facility went underwater. All our buses went underwater, but we patched them up and, and we, you know, incrementally. And, and so it created this more cohesive working relationship, not only at the emergency management agency, but all of us in the community coalesced and came together, as you know, and, and rebuilt this community together. And I'm afraid that time has gone by and we've all drifted into our little world, you know, myself too. Uh, we, we, we don't work together, not that we don't work together, but we're not as connected coordinating projects as much as we should. Um, the aquarium is an exception to that. Uh, we were in the, the ground floor, the planning of the, of the aquarium. Part of the reason why it's where it's at, because of the CTA Transit Center. And, but, but that's uh, an example of how we work to support economic development in the economy and the many things we do other than just carry people on a bus. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Actually, you know, what's interesting, one of the reasons I wanted to do this show was not just to have these deeper conversations, which I completely enjoy, and it's given me uh, a lot of um, a lot of pleasure in my in my retirement. But it's to to try to talk more about the lessons of Katrina and what we learned after Katrina, and that the thing that you know to be the to be ground zero for the worst natural disaster in American history, it delivered a blow to this community for sure. Some people were able to get through it, some were not. But the reality was, from that, if we're smart about it. We learn a lesson in resilience that sets us aside from other communities like ours across the United States. And as a result, our ability to bounce back in the future, I think still because there's people like you in positions and others across the coast, we're, we are so much better off today for the next one than we would have been otherwise because we built resiliency not only in the leadership but in our systems and our infrastructure and all these things that we did after after the storm. But, but I talk about it a lot because I think it's important for people, especially 
especially young people that are coming along. There may be people who were not as engaged in the community then and didn't really have a role to play, but as they got a little bit further in their career, they started to understand, wow, something important happened here. We learned a lot that gave us a competitive advantage if we we're willing to, 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 to grab it and not lose it. Because if you don't use it, you will lose it. Everybody knows that. And um, you know, being in silos is um, is a very human thing. It's a very normal thing. It's just people find their comfort level, and that's just the you know that's just the way it is. But the thing that's going to separate Coastal Mississippi from other communities, though, is we recognize that each of the communities that make up Coastal Mississippi is what makes us a special place. It's that diversity in all those communities. But as a as an entity, as a Coastal Mississippi entity, the three coast counties, we're an economic engine that drives this state. And we can't lose sight of that. The ability to sort of get get away from the clutter, the local discussions, and, and be able to understand what our common issues are, which we were able to do so well after Hurricane Katrina. We just can't lose that, can we? No, you're right. Uh, I was always very pleased and impressed about how we all came together and was and worked together. And we it wasn't like that before. Of course, you know, you got this catastrophic event that, that's that's driving things but uh, i mean i i just don't know how, that we could have done any better than we did frankly the people i, I think it's a it's an amazing you know, story we, I, I work with you and other people to rebuild with the tourism industry to rebuild those beach bus stations and, and this is a for instance we decided we wanted world class and that's what we delivered yeah. and, and and you know that wouldn't have happened without all of us working together it's not about yeah, it was, me it's about it was, us yeah, it was a team effort. And in Haley's book, America's Great Storm, that I had the opportunity to uh, write the forward to. And it captures so much of what you and I are talking about. And, the, you know, long after we're dead and gone, people will be able to pick this book up and say, OK, what is it that made that so special? And they can be reminded, and hopefully we've captured a lot of those lessons that, that make this place so unique. But, but again, one of again one of the bright spots for me. There were so many bright spots of of being in the trenches with leaders that were willing to burn the midnight oil and do what it took. And one of those was you. You know, I I, I learned a deep respect for the role that you play in the community, and if and it forever changed as for the my tenure as the publisher of the Sun Herald and beyond how I viewed Coast Transit Authority. And you actually you actually cite that as one of the reasons, one of the one of the benefits of the storm, that it did change people's perspective. And you became a strategic partner for this community and the newspaper and in so many, so many and in so many other ways. Um, you just have to, you know, you have to keep the foot on the gas to make sure we don't lose that. You, everybody does not respond well to um crisis and crisis management is it, it's a mental thing and, and yeah i'm just one of those people that can do that one of many people that can do that i don't buckle in crisis management and that's that's not that, that's hard to do it, it just hanging in there and not not that it, it didn't beat me down because it did but i just kept getting back up and, and i mean what are you going to do you, you yeah. either going to do what needs to be done and put the pieces back together or are you going to pack up and leave that's that's where I was, man. That's exactly where I was. But listen, we're out of time. Kevin, it has been a pleasure to catch up with you. Keep up the good work, my friend. Send my regards to your board of commissioners. And 
Uh, we'll uh, we'll come back. Let me know if something good happened at, at CTA, and we'll get you back on, my friend. All right. Thanks a lot. It's been my pleasure. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. This has been Kevin Coggin <laughs> from uh, Coast Transit Authority. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.